You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You're in the basement, socks in the basement. Come on over here. Pull up a stool at my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. Join us. 30 minutes of White Sox talk starting right now. My name is Chris. My regular partner in crime, Dave, is not here. He just recently purchased a new house and is finding all of the problems now. It's like the money pit, but funnier. At least to me. If you want to make Dave feel better and you're looking for music lessons, he actually owns his own music school. Westgate Music School is in Palos Heights, 6527 West 127th Street. He's got a full staff over there. It's really kind of the coolest setup for people that are looking to get lessons on any kind of instrument. Brass, woodwinds, percussion, guitar, ukulele, bass. They got rock band classes. You want to play it as an instrument? Dave and his staff will teach you how to do it. And the best part is, like, if you can't make a lesson, you go online, you just pick another time. There's like no haggling like, ah, oh, can I get my money back on this? Or, oh, I can't make my lesson because something popped up. And you just go and go, okay, I can't do Tuesday. There's an open slide on Thursday. Bam, you're in there. You get your first four private lessons for only 80 bucks if you mention Saks in the basement. So swing by his place in Palos High, 6527 West 127th Street, or give him a call, 708-586-7002, 708-586-7002, and maybe he'll feel a little bit better this week. Filling in for Dave this week is a really good friend of mine. His name is Mike Riccardotti. He's a big radio star working afternoons for at least over the last decade in Columbus, Ohio at 97.1 FM, The Fan. It's an ESPN affiliate. He has been on the national air. He has his finger on the pulse of the sports universe. And his favorite team in the sports universe is his hometown team, the Chicago White Sox. The guy has made national news. The guy has interviewed a sitting president once before on his sports talk radio station. The guy's wife is becoming a best-selling author. Pretty soon he might not even have to do sports talk radio anymore because she's going to be the breadwinner. Then he can just sit around and talk White Sox with me all the time, right? That is the goal, to just sit back and cash her checks and buy one of those baseball bat benches that Ron Kittle makes. That's all I need in life. God help the radio world the moment that you're like, I'm financially secure because she makes all this money. I'm just going to say whatever the hell I want to say. Oh, are you? First of all, that's going to be the final show to end all shows. I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm going out. They're just going to tune in one day and hear every horrible word come out of my mouth at once. Like when you witnessed me quit live on the air in Bakersfield, California, it's going to be kind of like that. Well, but here's the stupid thing is that I quit with you. It was, your, your quitting was so convincing. I said, I'm following this guy. You were like the Pied Piper of idiots that day. Uh, hopefully the uh, the White Sox are not being run by idiots because now moves are starting to happen. Well, they did they did decline the James Shields option. I like how that was news this week. It's like the White Sox have declined the $16 million option on James Shields. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I know. The thing that I didn't like, though, was the option for Nate Jones. I, I know everybody's like, oh, you know, he's maybe they'll he'll do well, and then they could turn around and trade him. But he's 33 years old. It's $4.65 million for a relief pitcher when this team doesn't need relief pitchers yet. I, I mean, am I being stingy with money that isn't mine? Did you like that move? 
Um, no, I don't like it just because I'm not a huge Nate Jones fan. Every single year people buy into if Nate Jones can do this, if he can do that, his stuff is filthy. He has never shown that he can be healthy consistently. And go figure, a guy who throws a baseball like a shot put doesn't have the most sound mechanics and tends to get hurt. And I guess, I guess Rick Hahn is looking at this saying, that's the price that we're willing to pay. If he's any good, we'll spin him off and get something. But, you know, you can... The way they've done things in the past, you can find a guy on a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training and do the same thing and not have to spend $5 million. You could do that with multiple guys. I mean, look at the guys. Right. There are guys that pitched in the postseason that started in single A ball this year. Relief pitchers can just, I was saying on the last show, they're meat. You could find them everywhere. You get one of them hot. They've got two or three good pitch or one or two good pitches and, and batters haven't gotten enough film on them. They can all of a sudden explode for a couple of months. Those are the guys you get. You get them when they're young. You put them out there. You turn them around. You, you trade them off for other pieces. I, it just seems to me like you're not ready yet to build your bullpen. That's the last thing you're going to do. 4.65 million on, on, on this guy. It, it, it boggles my mind unless we're just doing 2018 all over again and that you don't need that money for anything else. I'm hoping you're using that money to go sign people in the offseason. I'd like to see something brought on this team that's going to start to show me that we're going to start winning ball games and building a winning culture. I don't want 2018 all, all over again. I don't think White Sox fans are naive enough to think that they're going to be in the playoffs this next year, but they need to take steps in the right direction. And I'm not saying you go out and spend $300 million on whoever. I don't think that's likely to happen, although maybe we'll be surprised. But if you have an offseason like you had last year, where they spent literally no money, I mean nothing, then you can't, you can't have that. And if your, expo- if, if your whole plan for me is, well, we're going to bring Shields back on a one-year lesser money deal because he eats innings, sorry, I don't want that. I would rather have my young guys learning on the mound during the regular season than have to deal with another year of shields or kick the tire on Miguel Gonzalez again. I don't want to see it. Now here, let's go through some moves here because I'm just kind of curious when I, when I give you what they've done just here as the season has ended and the playoffs have ended and, and we're getting ready in just a couple of days for free agency to open up. This is what the team has done. They've gotten on a 34 guys on their 40-man roster, so they've opened up six spots. They've taken guys like Miguel Gonzalez and said goodbye. Uh, Yamar Gomez is gone. Uh, Hector Santiago's gone. Like I said, like we said, Shields. They've taken. The, they paid him two million dollars to go away. Danny Farquhar was uh, was outright of the Charlotte. Ryan Lamar is gone, and then they let Kevin Smith go. And that was telling to right. me and bothered me because. If you're letting Kevin Smith go because you're saying, okay, well, Zebby Zavala is going to get a chance. You're going to bring up Zavala and you're going to give him an opportunity. Then maybe I get your reasoning. But I am afraid that what they're doing is saying we spent so much money on Wellington Castillo that even though he's a big fat cheater who wasn't as good as Omar Navarez, we're going to keep him on this team and give him a lot of at-bats, which doesn't help our team in the long run. Uh that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to try and justify their investment. Now, I think what we've seen from them, though, is that if a couple months into the season it's not working, they will wave goodbye to him. I don't, I don't think they're stubbornly going to give him at-bats all season long if he doesn't earn them. I know the whole thing with Kevin Smith was that he was out of options, too, right? Wasn't he? So they sort of had to make a decision about him. So I get it. I you know, I, I liked him, but he was never going to be a starting catcher. He's too old for that. He doesn't hit for power. But you're right on Wellington Castillo. If he, if he isn't getting the job done, if he's not hitting for power and driving in runs, 
then you got to wave goodbye to him because he's not going to be your backup catcher. As somebody now who's a big-time Sox fan but sits out in the land of Ohio State Buckeye football and is away from the buzz, which you know there's not a lot of buzz in Chicago about the White Sox, but there's still beat reporters that are close to the team and that are around the team. You're out of town and you have an out-of-town perspective looking at baseball as a whole. Do you see the Sox doing something early in the offseason? Do you see them trying to make a major play for a guy like Machado or going and grabbing a pitcher that didn't make a lot last year like Nathan Evaldi? I loved him two months ago when nobody was talking about him. Now after that postseason, you might not be able to get a guy like that. But like a Trevor Cahill or something, do you see them doing something early to kind of signal what their their plans are for the offseason? I think what we've seen is they try and look for value early on in free agency. We saw it last year with the Wellington Castillo move. I think that's the type of moves they're going to make this offseason is, you know, maybe spend a little bit more money and look for guys that can have bounce back years. Maybe you can deal with the deadline. There's a couple guys that I like for situations like that. I like Gio Gonzalez just because I would love to see the White Sox trade him for a third time. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, I, I like Yolmer a lot, man, but I don't want to see Yolmer in my everyday lineup at third base. If you can spend some money, and I don't think it's going to be that much money, quite frankly, because I think it's going to be a prove-it deal for Josh Donaldson. If you can pick up a guy like that, and maybe he does something for you where he, he surprisingly turns you into a, a contender and he has fun in that ballpark, or... You deal him for something at the deadline. I think those are the type of investments that Rick Hahn and Kenny, because he can't keep his nose out of anything, are going to try and accomplish. Do you think, now I've talked to a couple of uh, beat reporters here. We had James Fox on from the Loop Sports in Chicago uh, a couple of weeks ago on the Sox in the Basement podcast. And his thing was the feeling amongst a lot of the beat reporters that are around the team is that the Sox are going to make a full-on effort for Manny Machado. Do you believe that? And do you think it's a good idea? Uh, no, I, I, I think that they will call just because everybody should, right? And kick the tires, but I don't, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I can't see him spending that type of cash. I know he's old. I know they want to win. I know that Manny Machado, you know, he's got the relationship with Wellington Castillo. I don't know what the hell that means, but I can't see them spending that much money on a guy and I know they're they're big into principles and stuff like that, and I'm not poo-pooing that, but, you know, Rick Renteria has a hard-on for guys that don't run out ground outs. I mean, how many times did we see him get on Avi this year? And I, I know that Manny Machado's a different type of player than Avi, but I don't know if optically that fits with what they want to do right now. And he's freaking expensive. I did read something though recently that the Sox have claimed that they were the number two offer to Alex Rodriguez years ago. And they just missed out on him when he signed that $250 million contract. I don't know if I buy it, but that's what they said. First of all, what was the number two offer? Because it was widely <laughs> known that the Rangers were just negotiating against themselves. So was it the White Sox at like 150 Like $100 million less? Because that I can kind of believe, but there's, there's no way. So we always hear about this, right? We always hear about it after the fact. I got to tell you, man, when Torrey Hunter was on the market... We almost got him, right? <laughs> it was we all we almost get everybody. We almost get everybody in their prime. When Ken Griffey Jr. was out on, on the market, we almost got him. This and close. then the MO usually when the, the MO usually is, then when they're old and broken down, then they sound sign with the White Sox. 
There's a lot of rage in Mike Riccardotti from 97.1 The Fan, even from several states over to the east. There's a lot of rage out there when the sun rises. When you look towards the sun, there's rage out there. And he does not believe in some of the stuff that's coming out of the White Sox. Do you have a positive overall outlook or a negative one? I mean, I guess I just have a, a wait and see because, you know, we're White Sox fans and we hate everything. And that's what separates us from the North Side counterparts for the most part, right? <laughs> and that's why, like, I, I was talking to somebody in the radio station the other day and we were, we were talking about something and he just, he has this attitude about his favorite team that he's going to believe everything they do until he sees otherwise, until he sees that it doesn't work. And I said to him, I said, man, you'd make a great Cubs fan because I'm just, I'm the opposite of that. I'm, I'm the type of the, a guy who, who hates everything my team does until you prove otherwise to me. You know, I'm always going to be expecting failure, and I guess that's a defense mechanism because I, I sort of put my hands out before I fall so it doesn't hurt as much. Now, I guess there's a chance I don't fall, Right. But I just I've seen my team sort of screw me over time and time again. And that's why even when they were winning the World Series in 2005, I was having a discussion. I think it was with you where it's like, I don't believe any of this. Right. I I just I don't believe it. I remember after game two, you know, they had the the big victory game two. You had the Scott Pitsednik walk off home run. And then instantly I'm thinking to myself. Well, they got Roy Oswalt going in Game Three, and we're not going to touch Roy Oswalt in Game Three. It's going to be a disaster. That's kind of right? how I—that's how I felt too. And when he when Pacenic hit the home run, I remember sitting in my apartment in Beverly, and my knees hit the ground in shock, and I looked down, and all my friends are jumping around, and I'm muttering into my hands, looking down at the ground, like this isn't real. I'm in a coma. Right. It's this doesn't happen to my and then team. In game three, in Game Three, the Astros jump off to that lead on John Garland in Game Three, and I'm like, "Well, that's over. It was good while it lasted. This is where the comeback starts. They're going to win this game. They're going to win tomorrow night, and we're going to be screwed. We're going to go back to Chicago. It's going to be three-two. We're going to be screwed." And I didn't, I didn't believe any of it until I saw it. And that, but then once it happens, there's such a relief because you have permission now to be happy. And I guess that's just the type of fan that I am. I mean, I look at this rebuild, and I'm, I'm hoping things turn out, but I'm expecting that they won't. Now, maybe that's just negative nilly, and there's a possibility, right? But like when Michael Kopech hurt himself, I'm sitting there thinking, well, of course he did, right? Because that's just what happens. You know, of course he hurt himself. Right. So, and if we wouldn't know, have made, if I, we wouldn't have made the trade for sale, he would have hurt himself while he was here. And Kopech would have been on the mound in the World Series. That's how I think. Like, that, right. it, it has something to do with my team. Like, it would have been the other way around. Chris Sale would be injured. We'd be like, why didn't we trade Sale? And Kopech would have been out there and be like, we could have had that guy. We're so stupid. And I understand why they, they did it. And at the time, I was saying that you had to do it. And in the back of my mind, I still think that you had to do it. But it also sucks to see your guys go out and win the World Series. Oh, it's brutal. It? it was brutal. It hurt. It hurt to watch him go out there and do that. It hurt to see how filthy he was and to sit there and think, God, that was ours. And I just wish we could have kept that. But I understood the move. I understood where we were stuck at as a franchise. It hurt, I, I but it. I it, it hurt to watch him out there on the mound. It really did. I was rooting for the Dodgers just so I didn't have to see that. 
Right. I, I forget what the original question was, but yeah, we got know. angry. We got very angry got and we got upset. And I was just about to go off on a tangent about how I was mad about the Dodgers and singing New York, New York. I mean, get over yourselves. This is the worst time in baseball. We're back in the dark ages now, Mike. Okay. We're back to where the baseball world is going to turn and look at New York and Boston and that rivalry and forget every other team exists now. I hate this. I can't wait for the next season so somebody else can become the champion so we don't have to listen to it because it's 365 days now of Boston. Boston, New York, New York, Boston, Boston, New York. Oh, are there other teams? We'll get to them at the end. I guess we can take solace. We can put our head on the pillow at night and at least know that the Cubs didn't do anything. Right? Yeah, it does. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what we have. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Dave Marin is on the line. He is the guy that was on. He was actually only on just a few episodes ago, but I love him. Uh, he goes by at Socks Nerd on Twitter. He's the guy inside the White Sox scoreboard, and he comes up with all the interesting, intricate statistics and facts and trivia that you see up on the scoreboard when the players are up to bat and in the middle of the innings and everything else like that. And he's been on the show before, but he's back already again because I can't get enough statistical trivia knowledge from you, Dave. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, the World Series was going on, and even though the Sox were not involved in it, you did um, a lot on not only the 05 World Series as it was happening day by day, the history of it, on this day this happened and you throw stuff out, but you were all over a lot of World Series stuff too. What were some of the fun trivia uh, um, facts that you came up with during the World Series this year? During this World Series, I was, uh, I, I think I was more into it or as into it as when the uh, White Sox weren't playing as when they were, and I noticed that the White Sox had had a winning record against the Red Sox um, during uh, the regular season. So I went back and I looked up uh, how often that had happened, and I found out that this was the 12th time that the White Sox have had a winning record against the eventual AL champion. And then the last time that that happened uh, before was last year against Houston. They also had a, a winning record. So uh, when I'm on the couch watching the World Series, you know, I keep an, I keep an eye out for some di- different interesting things. Um, somebody asked me about sale. Was sale – somebody t- – Put this out on Twitter. Was Sale the first, or was he the first pitcher to get the first and last out of a World Series? I thought, yeah, you know, that's pretty interesting. And it probably didn't happen, hasn't happened in a while. No, I found out the last time it happened was 2014 when Madison Bumgarner did it for the San Francisco Giants. That was the first guy I thought of when you said that. I, I did not see your answer to that, but that's the first time I had heard that question. And that's the first thing that popped in my head is I was like, I really think they used him to close out games a few times in yeah. that series. And that, that yeah. makes sense. And we should have all, that should have all popped in our head because when Bumgarner did it, then it was such a revolutionary thing. And now it's nothing, right? It's probably what's going to happen all the time in the new era of baseball. If anything, I found it interesting that I'm watching a Red Sox team now flip the page to the next thing you can do in a postseason. Like everybody's like, oh, you got to have this deep bullpen. You got to have both. You got to have this for matchups and that for matchups. What the Red Sox basically said was, "We're just going to use all of our pitchers on the days that they are they would normally throw twenty pitches, and we're going to use them as relievers. So you're going to see the you're going to see the same you're going to see these guys four or five times because we got good starters. That that's incredible to me. Yeah, I was joking with uh, my boss Jeff Chanel that uh, the way things are going, Jace Fry could be the White Sox opening day starter in in March. You know, but uh, I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. Wouldn't that be funny? 
open the season with an opener. Yeah. Um, I got a lot. I got a lot of mileage out of the umpires for some reason. I, the umpires really stuck out to me uh, this uh, this postseason. Uh, Ted Barrett was one, and um, he, he had worked a lot of games at, um, you know, he's an old-time American League umpire. So his, the first game that he worked was against the um, White Sox. Uh, his first White Sox game was in 1994, things of that nature. So I was really digging through that. And then um, I wonder if there's a stat on the umpire that has screwed up more fan interference or non-fan interference calls on home runs in the postseason. Because I think it's oh, Joe. Wow. I think it's Joe West with two, unless he's done more than yeah. that. But I, I wonder if that's a stat. Like I would love that. Yeah. I want that stat up on the scoreboard next time Joe West is inside of guaranteed right field. Oh, oh yeah, right. No, yeah. You know, I was kind of sorry they lost Kevin Smith. Because he was great for stats, man. And that guy had some awesome, you know, he, he was connected to Dave Wanstead. He coached at Pittsburgh, uh, or he played at Pittsburgh when Wanstead, played football at Pittsburgh when Wanstead was the coach there. Uh, Kevin Smith had some great batting order stats. Like when he was a, when he was a catcher, he batted fourth as a rookie. And like a, the list of names I put up there was so great. And then uh, when he scored the, he scored the only run in a one to nothing win at Boston, and that was only the fifth time that that had happened. And four of them were catchers. And I'm, I really went down the rabbit hole with old Kevin Smith. I'm, I'm going to miss him. I'm probably the only Sox fan that misses him. But man, I'm going I'm to miss good old number 36. Well, Dave, I, I look forward to hearing more stats from you in the off season. Uh, what I'm going to do is I, I might go to you every once in a while and we make a an acquisition just just to see like what you got on the guy. Uh, before before yeah. we even get to meet them, I, it'll be it'll be fun. You can test out some stats. We'll we'll let you know whether or not they're they're scoreboard material or not. <laughs> I'd love to do that. That's great. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, good talking to you. We'll talk soon. Used to keep it cool. Used to be a fool. All about the bouncing master. Watch it on the news. What you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget. Used to keep it cool. Okay, so. You guys want to start a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. What we need to do is start from scratch. There's lots of podcasts. Six of them now. Yeah. Twelve podcasts that I'm doing a week. I come down here into the bar. I drink all day long and I do podcasts. My wife is like, "You have a problem." I love your new and it's job, not the, Chris. It's not the drinking; it's the podcast. There's too many of them. Should I keep it light? Stay out of the fight. No one's gonna listen to me. If I write a song, preaching what is wrong, will they let me sing on TV? Should I keep it light? You're gonna eat lightning. You're gonna crap thunder. Is that right? You're gonna be a greasy <laughs> Italian tank. Growing up on a podcast. Socks in the basement. Socks in the EP podcast. 30 minutes of good in a world of dumb. We gon' burn the whole house down. Micah Gerdotti from 97.1 FM, The Fan. I, I mentioned recently that my favorite interview ever was Ron Kittle, but you always bring it every time you're on here, man. I love you. Well, I can't compete with Ron Kittle. Well, who's, you know. ne- who's next on the list? Now that you have, che- have achieved Ron Kittle... Who's next on the wish list? I don't know. I'm very nervous as to whether or not they'll talk to me anymore. I made a mistake, and I made a comment that made Chuck Garfine very upset the other day on Twitter. And I, Why? I, well, I, I, we had a show last week where we were talking, and we were like, 
you know how there's always like that guy who's really close to the team and he starts telling you stuff that he thinks is going to happen. This is probably because this is what the team's really thinking. Cause you know, you get around a team and you get a relationship with the, some of the people that are around the franchise and you hear things in casual conversation. You start to figure out what they're really going to do. So we were like, Oh, they're not going to aim for Machado. They're going to go after Donaldson they're, they're This is what their aim is for this. We were talking about it. And then he put out a tweet and I said, here it is. This is, this is what the team is going to do because Chuck's saying it. And his response on Twitter was stop, which I took very threateningly. Like, like Chuck was like, you better stop or I'll crush your little podcast. I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm maybe a, I'm wrong. Maybe Chuck is like an assassin. Maybe like he you is. get on his bad side and he just <laughs> tears into you with a plethora of F-bombs and disembowels you and <laughs> plays jumping jacks with your intestines. Like I on, don't know. Like, but, on, like on Halloween night, Chuck is going to be standing outside my house on Halloween night in a mask and he's just going to be like, stop. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I got a Chuck Garfine story, by the way, for you. Oh, go this for was, it. This was probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. The White Sox were opening up the season in Cleveland when it was still called Jacobs Field. And for some reason, even though I work in Columbus, the radio station decided to send me up to Cleveland to do my radio show from the concourse, from the home run porch up there. And so even though, even though my show was on during the game. That made a whole lot of sense. That's right? really dumb. Yeah. 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 That's really dumb. Hey, anybody who cares about the Indians is not going to be listening to me. They're going to be listening to the damn game, but here I am anyway. So th- th- those are the genius people that run radio stations, by the way. <laughs> so, so I'm there early, like setting up for everything. And the media is starting to filter into Jacob's field. And it's, it's funny because, you know, they sort of like, wait in line at the turnstiles just like the fans do, except it's sort of like a media cattle call five hours before the game starts. And I see Chuck Garfine standing out there with who I believe to be his cameraman waiting to get in because they were getting ready to tape some stuff. And I'm, I'm inside the park and he's outside the park. And I walk up to him and, uh, and I said, hey, Chuck. And I'd sort of forgotten that he doesn't know who the hell I am. You know, I'm <laughs> I just, you know, I, I pay for the baseball package and I, I watch like the pre and post game stuff. And I said, Hey Chuck. And because I was inside the park in some sort of official capacity, he pretended like he knew who I was. He thought maybe he talked to me last year and, you know, he doesn't want to make a big scene about this. And he says, hey, man, how are you? And I'm like, I- I'm doing good. And now I know we're caught in this moment where I have to almost pretend <laughs> like I know who he is on a personal level. And so we just start BSing. It's like, hey, yeah, okay, opening day. Yeah, good to see you. And, uh, and he just looks at me, and, he, and he, he, I guess he's going to take one last stab at this. And he says to me, how's your wife? That's awesome. And at the time, at the time, I wasn't married. That's you awesome. Know, but he's, I'm like, I'm like, oh, and I, I went all the way. It's like the scene in Seinfeld where George goes all the way to the Hamptons with Susan's <laughs> parents. And I, I, I was sort of chuckling in my own head at how, how absurd this scene was. And I said to him, oh, man, she, she died just a couple months ago. <laughs> And he was he was mortified. He's like, "Oh, I'm so oh. sorry to hear that." It's oh, like, "Yeah, God. man." So, 
And I just sort of looked at him and said, happy opening day, and walked away. That was it. That was my interaction with Chuck Garfine. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you so much for that story. <laughs> I like Chuck, though. He does a good job. He, is, he does do a good job. I really hope he doesn't hate me, but I think he hates me now. <laughs> no, I just took the heat off of you. I just. Yeah, no, that's perfect. It's all my hatred. Yeah, right. He, he, you hate him. Hate him, Chuck. <laughs> that's right. Chuck probably doesn't remember it. It was it was no, so awkward. No, Chuck doesn't remember it. Chuck Chuck forgot that he tweeted me too. Chuck's already moved on with his life. He's got bigger things to I deal think with. Your next, I think your next get should be Ed Farmer. Oh. And <laughs> no, no, you just Look, want me man, to. You I, just want I, me to. I know, you just want me to all, give Ed Farmer a hard time. That's what you want because you know that I, I he drives me nuts. I, I hate non broadcasters doing play by play. I hate that. Ed Farmer would suck doing television play-by-play. On radio, he really sucks. (laughs) He really sucks. He is the worst at radio. He cannot paint a picture for you. And I just want Ed, because Ed Farmer will show up to your house. He's not going to get on the phone. No, he's going to come over. Ed Farmer will show up to your house. He will wear baseball pants and cleats to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll invite Ed. We'll we'll pretend that like we think he's great. You could come over too, and we'll have a couple of beers with Ed Farmer just so we could have that experience. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And then we're gonna absolutely. go, and then we'll go bump into Chuck Garfine, and you can tell him how you remarried, but she died too. And it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, and then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the dude is baseman. And the dude is baseman. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nude is basement. Oh, broadcast basement. The Nudist Basement The Broad Basement Slancha That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it Should we just forget this whole thing existed? <laughs> no, 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 I already found the part where I was going to cut it Okay <laughs> and, and the part where you were going to cut it was after I said Good to be on with you <laughs> that, That's that's where you're gonna cut it. Right there. That's that's where it ends. I talked. I talked to Mike. We had a conversation. None of it was worth sharing with any of you. <laughs> now to Ed Farmer. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.